Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Yesterday, which came out in 2019 and stars Himesh Patel and Lily James. And it's written by Richard Curtis and directed by Danny Boyle. And this is, I don't know, the third or fourth Richard Curtis movie that we've talked about. I think we're almost through the canon. We have done... We started, we kicked off this podcast with a Richard Curtis. We started with Love Actually. Mm-hmm. We watched Notting Hill. We watched Four Weddings and a Funeral. We watched all the Bridget Joneses. And like Richard Curtis is, has a lot of jobs. So some, mostly he's a writer. Sometimes he directs and sometimes he, so if we're going to expand it, like Mamma Mia is Richard Curtis producing wise. Mm. I think sure. the only like true Richard Curtis written and directed by or written by we haven't watched is about time which like is it a rom-com no one really knows the genre because it's not about anything yeah don't, uh, i'm not convinced it's a rom-com but we'll put it on the list because we like to bend the rules around here literally watched it like three days ago yeah it's just comforting richard curtis is prolific and a little rom-com king yes yeah i think um we earlier described him as the british male Nora Ephron when it comes to rom-coms and that they're classics, but not without their problems. And we've talked, I think we talked about with Four Weddings and a Funeral versus Love Actually that we prefer, Richard Curtis, tend, his movies tend to come out a little bit stronger when he is not directing something that he's written. Um, he has a little bit of the Judd Apatow syndrome where he can it can get a little windy and a little cerebral when he's doing both jobs um and and that makes sense because when you've written it there are pieces that you love that maybe don't necessarily make sense in the movie and so it's helpful to have another second set of eyes yeah another brain in the mix um so we discussed that our favorite richard curtis's are notting hill and four weddings and a funeral respectively both movies he wrote but did not direct correct right um and this also written by richard curtis not directed by by richard curtis directed by danny boyle who is himself a prolific director and i think this movie is well served by that because this movie is already a little on the long side but it doesn't but it feels tight for the most part. Like I don't I, like. I feel like when you have a higher concept rom com, we've talked a lot about how rom coms should be an hour and a half and no longer. Which you know, like any rule we make, we immediately backtrack on. I this is the, you know we don't usually give a spoiler alert because duh. But this movie, because it's a little more high concept and windy, has a lot of. This is this is we're going to tell you the plot and the twists and the turns of this movie. So if you haven't watched this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, go watch it then come back and listen to our podcast and then rate uh, and review and subscribe okay but now we're going to tell you the plot and it's going to be spoily so a young man jack who is a struggling musician um and his best friend slash manager played by lily james um he's a struggling musician he gets hit by a bus at the exact moment there's like a worldwide blackout um and uh, he, then he is the only person in the world, spoiler alert, we think, that remembers the Beatles, that the Beatles exist. And so he basically, like, to jumpstart his music career, re- records all their music and becomes huge. 
because he's recognized as the greatest songwriter in the world. Um, that's the basic plot of it. And I forget right. why I got into this. Oh, and so because it's high concepty and you have to go to, I think we're in three different countries throughout this movie. Um, it takes a little longer. And also the main point of this movie, the ultimate, you know, like denouement is him professing his love for Lily James. Mm-hmm. So because it's not as simple as just a straightforward, will they, won't they rom-com, you have this whole, music career stealing the Beatles music thing in the middle of it um it takes a little longer and right. I don't mind that no and I didn't it didn't feel long um or it didn't feel too long it didn't feel like there was stuff there we didn't need it all felt needed um and it feels like a tight movie it feels like um and there's a there so I think there's a piece of this movie that feels a little I don't know if like self-indulgent is the right phrase but like Richard like it feels a little bit like Richard Curtis just kind of wanted to like wax poetic on the Beatles Mm -hmm. to some extent um and there are moments where we get a little close I think personally where we step into um, like a cheese factor or like a, I'm trying to think of what the phrase I'm looking for is. I think there is a level of Richard Curtis. And I say this as someone who has uh, watched two of his movies this week, this in about time. There is a, there's a cheese to it. Yes. Because all of the movies have some sort of, they're all saying something about, human experience and human existence and it's and it's always positive it's there's you know love actually is a movie about in the worst of times love is everywhere about time is a movie about living every day with some sort of purpose and like loving your simple life Mm -hmm. and like loving the simple things in life this is a movie about the power of music and music and particularly pop music and music that makes you happy Yes. So I think that this movie, more so than other Richard Curtis movies, maybe with the exception of Love Actually, has a tendency to be a bit heavy handed in its messaging and and so then kind of tread into hokiness. And I think that unlike Love Actually, this movie is helped by Richard Curtis not also being the director because I suspect that if he was also the director, we would have just leaned full force into heavy handedness and hokiness. Yeah. And so this backs us off of that a bit, which I think is good because there are moments, the, the biggest moment that I was kind of like, uh, this is not connecting for me. And I suspect that you'll disagree, <laughs> but the moment that did not connect for me was when he goes to find John Lennon, who is in this reality living because he Aww. never became. Yeah, I actually love that. <laughs> he's he never became John Lennon. You know, he's John Lennon, but he's not like John Lennon. He's just like Beatles. an old man who lives in the seaside and right. like, draws pictures. And he says, lived out his whole life with the woman he loves, which were never given a name. So is it not Linda? Linda was Paul's. Is it um, the first wife who he hit? 
<clears throat> or is it Yoko? We never really know. Is it another woman entirely? But basically, John Lennon. The thing I like about that moment is that the first time I watched this movie, I, I actually agree. I was like, oh, we're just like letting John Lennon exist without any of the conversation of like that he wasn't a great guy. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, maybe without it all, he would have been okay. Like, not only is he alive, like he was happy. And John Lennon, as we know him, was not a happy man and therefore hurt a lot of people around him and did a lot of horrible things. And in this universe without, and I think the message to him is like, without all that fame and pressure and things you don't really want, he got to live out a lovely life and he maybe didn't hurt people the way he did. And I like, I just accepted in that moment that like, okay, yeah, maybe if John Lennon hadn't been famous, he would have been maybe a happier and therefore kinder person. Yes. And I think that that is an interesting message, particularly given like the things that Jack, the character is struggling with. And he's on this sort of precipice of like unprecedented worldwide stardom versus, you know, confessing his love for the girl he's always loved and living in his small town and being a music teacher. And so it's like this, this choice of which is going to make me happier. And so I, I, I understand the, the reason that we did it. I just, it like did for whatever reason, it didn't connect for me. And I think part of it is like what we know of John Lennon as a person, but, but even that, like I can get behind what you're saying is like, you know, maybe without the, the, the Beatles, he would have been a, you know, his, a, he would have gotten some therapy and lived on a nice life. Right. And like lived at the seaside. I get that. I think, I think for me, it felt heavy handed. It felt, and I don't mind like an alternate history movie. I don't love, I don't, I like a movie some that, that sort of rethinks like what would this, that, or the other thing have looked like if history had been different. You're like, um, I, I think I like those movies. And you talk about sliding doors every week. <laughs> um, no, I do. I mean, I don't mind it. Like I, I, for me, it kind of reminded me of not obviously not a rom-com at all, but once upon a time in Hollywood where we, ha- you know, have sort of an alternate history where the Manson murders didn't occur um, and Sharon Tate gets to live. Um, Bold statement. This is a better movie than that. Get away from me, men. I don't want to hear it. That's a dumb movie. It's dumb and long. I, you cannot, I don't think you could even begin to compare these movies. But anyway, I actually really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hated it. And I, and I like, and I like the sort of alternate reality of it. This didn't work for me. It felt, it felt, I don't know, like being beaten over the head with like the legacy of John Lennon. I, and it also like, it felt, it almost felt to me like, like you were trying to honor him, but then I think it felt unnecessary, I think is maybe part of it is I was like, did we need this John Lennon piece? Like, did we need to see any of them? I'm not sure we did. And I think that it, it pulled me out of the movie. And I will say like, that was the only moment where I was kind of like, this doesn't track for me. Not the only moment, but it was the only moment where I was like, this is pulling me out of the moment. You want to know the other moment that didn't track for me? Yeah. So there were two. It was that one. And go ahead. Is it when he uh, unknowingly puts Lily James on a um, giant screen? Because if a man did that to me and then professed his love, right to jail. 
He just like puts her backstage and then puts her on a screen without her knowledge and then professes his love straight to jail. Yes. I hated it. I was like, because I was behind this love story. And the, one of the things I really like about this movie is the love story. It is a charming love story. It and is her character is good. She is beautifully she, written. Yes. There is She's more fantastic. to her than just being the love interest. She, it's a well-written female character. She's great in it. It's, and then he brings her backstage, puts her on a big screen, and professes his love. And this is, might be a personal choice. If a man did that to me, I would murder you straight to jail. But I also like, yes, personally, do I want that? No. But if I believe that the character wants it, fine. I'm behind it 110%. I do not believe that this, that that is what this character wants. In fact, she had been saying to him all along, like, I don't want that life. That life is not for me. I like being a math teacher in wherever the fuck they live, small town Suffolk. Like she, that's what she wanted. She wanted to find a man who would love her and choose her every day and build a happy little life with her in Suffolk. And so she has said to him, like, that is not what I want. And then he literally like does it. He puts her on a jumbotron at an Ed Sheeran concert. Guys, Ed Sheeran plays a prominent role in this movie and it's confusing. <laughs> we, will, we will get to Ed Sheeran because don't I, I honestly like Ed Sheeran more after this movie than I did before, yes. but I also yes. don't dislike Ed Sheeran. I'm just, I just am too in, old to I'm, be a stan. I'm indifferent. Right. Yeah. But, no. So you know what else Ed Sheeran is great in? Bridget Jones, uh, Bridget Jones's baby. Yeah. I don't, I actually liked Ed Sheeran in this. So we'll get to Ed Sheeran because I have thoughts, but so that was also, I was like, you're, yeah. I have been behind this love story the whole way. And that, that is a, is a choice that like just didn't make sense for me. I, the rest of that scene where he, because the other portion of that scene is he is admitting like he didn't write these songs and he's going to walk away from it all. And he's putting all of the music out there, like royalty free, fee free. Everyone can have access to Basically, the Beatles discography for free. It turns out there are two other people, spoiler alert, who also remember the Beatles and they confront right. him at his like album release. Um, and he thinks he's going to be in trouble and they say, just thank you because we're just so happy that these songs get to, we're just so happy we get to have these songs again. And then because we presume they've done all the work, they send him to John Lennon's house um, because he's still conflicted about all his choices. And this is so I 100% agree with you on the Lily James on the Trumbotron scene. I, d- I think the what the John Lennon scene gets us is that message of, that he was happy in his small life, much happier in his small life than he was as the John Lennon we know him. Now, would that have been true? We'll never know, but I like the theory of it. Right. Um, so then he decides he's going to admit to what he's done. And no one's like, who are these men? Like, no one's ever like, where'd you get these songs? No one questions the fact that, like, there was an alternate universe. But um, what was I saying? The so, then he, so he decides, yeah, so then he's giving the world this music for free and and it's like a lovely gesture. He's not going to take any money for it. He's going to, he's just going to quit, have all this music. I'm going to go live my small, tiny life. And if in the midst of that, he had also like professed his love to her, not with her on a Jumbotron. And right. Like, so that she hears it, great. But why are we putting her? And she even has a line. She was like, if I knew I would have been on the big screen, I would have gotten my hair done. And it's like, if I knew I would have been on the big screen, I would have told you absolutely do not do that. 
Right. Yeah, because then we just like then she just accepts it and she just accepts that like this is a thing he's done. He does say that was very bad behavior. She is she does you know correct. Give him a little slap on the wrist for the plagiarism. And then like I don't even mind that. Like that's fine. I can I can buy her like getting over that very fairly quickly, but like I don't know. I just it just I was like, really, this is the way we're gonna conclude this love story that otherwise I was like one thousand percent behind. Yeah. It was it was frustrating. I don't need a jumbotron. I don't need the like big romantic gesture moment, particularly when you've told me all along and this character has told me all along that that's not what she wants. It's also like two different stories. Like you have the love story and then right. you have this thing and we're trying to connect them with her on the jumbotron. And like I don't really need them connected. I'm okay right. with I'm okay. Please stop biting my toes. Um I'm okay with it being separate. You know what I do like about the Jumbotron scene in an absolute glorious self self-indulgent moment when he sings All You Need Is Love, a brass band comes out and plays. Yeah. It's great. I was I like, do, oh, we're okay. just directly referencing that other movie you made that featured the Beatles. Right. You know what, Richard Curtis? I like it. Both good scenes. That is one thing that works really well in this movie is the music. The music is done remarkably well the this guy's very talented as mom pointed out every time they use a song it it indicates what he's going through yes also like he has a lovely voice um and it's fun to like revisit Beatles songs um and it's fun to sort of see him like try and remember the lyrics um and so that is that ed sheeran changed the lyrics of hey jude to hey dude yeah that's um disgusting but and which is pointed out it's not meant to say that hey dude right better the also like the score is done really well because it pulls from the beatles music and like you can hear elements of the beatles music in it but it's never the score is different he bit my nose. I'm so sorry. That was not no to you. I was like, no, but that's true. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. The cat bit my nose. Like bit inside <laughs> of my nose. You're Ew. right. The score is beautiful. The, cat the score bit my nose. the score is is really wonderful because it incorporates you can like hear the influence, but it's also a completely separate and property from any of the like Beatles songs that we're hearing. Um, so the music in this movie is really, really nice. Is there anything you liked about this movie? I just told you. I liked the music. I liked the perform. I like all the performances. The performances are great. Even Robert Carlyle as John Lennon. Like, I don't love that scene, but I like Robert Carlyle as John Lennon. I love the Robert Carlyle. The makeup, the prosthetics they put on him. Great prosthetics. Lovely. Um, Looks like what John Lennon would have looked like if he was old. Yeah. I don't love the Kate McKinnon performance. I think she's kind of caricature but maybe we don't need her to be much more than that, I guess. Kate McKinnon of, plays his agent. Plays his agent. His once like he, money-obsessed agent. It's very once, Kate McKinnon. It's right. Once he, like, becomes big, yeah, she becomes his agent. I like – but I like his – I love Lily James. I mean, you know I think she can do no wrong. Um, she's a national treasure. The Joel Fry as his like best friend who becomes his manager after she decides not to be his manager anymore after Lily it's James kind of decides like a, not a to be pothead like lo- losery dude. Yeah, he's funny. He's very funny. And the only other thing that I've seen him in is Game of Thrones. He plays um like he's betrothed to Khaleesi at some point because he's going to help like unify the slave kingdoms or whatever. Um, and he's yeah. very in that and. 
maybe purposely so, but he's very kind of like stiff and doesn't bring a whole lot. And he's, he's kind a of very forgettable. Posh accent in this. He has a very not posh accent. Mom also said that Lily James was putting on a not posh accent in this, which I didn't catch as much, but I guess like. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, but anyway, I liked his performance a lot. I thought he was very funny. He's fun to watch. He's a very likable, warm character. And so he's the he's like the best friend character from Notting Hill. Yes. Um and it was fun to see him in this role because he's I think kind of forgettable in Game of Thrones and maybe rightfully so, but like I just think like maybe that guy needs to be allowed to be funny and then yeah. and then we get a better performance out of him there was a really good um like the richard courtesy ist of jokes like i like i like when you can tell like a um what's it called when someone is when, when you can like tell someone's their voice no like they're like a starts with an m they're like a you know like they talk about like nancy myers is a or like Okay, whatever. I, like there was <laughs> no idea what you're trying to cut do, all of that out. Just kill me. <laughs> really, I won't. It's in staying. <laughs> um, there's a very like Richard Curtis joke where he's about to like he's like going to present his album to the world. He's about to become the biggest music sensation in the world, and Rocky, his best friend and manager, is like, I always like I never thought I had much purpose in my life, and my purpose to hold doors open for you you've given my life meaning and it's this like very sweet moment and they hug and then he opens the wrong door <laughs> yeah. just, i was like that like that is such a richard curtis joke and i really enjoy it yeah yeah um yeah there's i mean this there are like really good jokes in this movie particularly from that character um, there's his also parents some, are funny. His, his parents are funny. The scene, I will say one of the scenes that did really move me was like right after he's woken up from being hit by this truck and he's like putting together that the the Beatles don't exist in this world. And he, the way he kind of figures it or starts to figure it out is that he, Lily James gifts him like this beautiful guitar. Um so Lily James gifts him this beautiful guitar and he says like a great guitar needs a great song. And so he plays the song yesterday and he's with three friends who don't know that like they don't remember the Beatles and um, watching them like here yesterday for the first time is really moving because like personally, I can't remember the first time I heard the song yesterday. It's just always been in my life but like imagine never another Beatles hear- song imagine imagine never no and hear- in my life oh and in my life yes <laughs> great oh right um imagine never having heard yesterday and then hearing it for the first time like that would be a really profound moment and well, it was even like really interesting and moving to watch that happen and then like they sort of talk about that a couple scenes later when he's playing let it be for his parents and they keep his parents are very like goofy like they're very supportive but they're very goofy and they're very like parents and they keep the dad keeps like walking getting up and walking away and like their neighbor comes by and he gets him a beer and they won't let him get through this song and finally he's like you're the first people in the world to hear this song like do you have any idea how significant this is and to them he just looks like like a dick 
and he who loves his own music but to him he's like no like everyone gets to experience this for the first time right yeah um and it's funny because his parents are funny and the neighbor is funny and and then ed sheeran comes over and then ed sheeran comes over okay so let's talk about ed sheeran in this movie so ed sheeran plays himself and he plays kind of like the person who not like discovers jack but like puts him on the map kind of he like makes him his opening act he like discovered i guess there's like a like a a small town cd guy in suffolk who makes right. him a like a little demo that then ed sheeran hears um and so then yes has him be his opening act and i had read or i'd heard when this movie came out that richard curtis had written that part with like the intention or the hope that it would be Chris Martin in that role, which feels a little more right that like this worldwide superstar that we think of that's in the movie world is like the best living songwriter. Yeah. This posits that there's like a, there's like a contest. Like after they've done their first show, he's like, let's each go away and like write a song really quickly and see who's the better songwriter. And Ed Sheeran writes something very Ed Sheeran-y that I will never remember. And Jack, quote, in quotes, writes The Long and Winding Road. And, like, obviously he wins because The Long and Winding Road is one of the greatest songs ever written. But the idea in that scene is that Ed Sheeran is otherwise the greatest songwriter in the world. Living songwriter, yeah. Which bumps me. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it was Chris Martin, I'd be like, is it? Is he right? Like, and I don't know. Like, I but don't I know feel like that's a little bit. Be. I feel like Chris Martin's a little more like universally accepted as a, and I, I think Ed Sheeran is a perfectly fine songwriter. Like, I think he's yeah, a great I have no songwriter. beef against Ed Sheeran. He's written, he's written even like some songs we don't know that he's written, um, or we don't think of as like his songs because he didn't sing them. So I, I think Ed Sheeran is a fantastic pop songwriter and i don't mean pop like derivatively i mean like he is a great songwriter but this idea that he is like the most famous also i struggle with see like but the I, fame I part is i don't the know fame, who else it would be the fame part is what i like am okay with because i'm like if we're talking about the greatest living songwriters there's like so many that are also singers i guess that like also would have their own tours there are so many you could have but then they have to be like a certain level of fame to believe that they could launch this guy's career into superstardom you know like he can't right he can't like be the opening act for like the shins you know what I mean? like he right. has to be um and i do this does i mean there is some like ed sheeran like deprecating humor in this movie that i it makes me like ed sheeran a little bit better because there are moments that are kind of like poking fun at ed sheeran he seems to have like a de- and he's not like a ter- i mean i get that he's playing himself but he's not like he's not stiff like he he does no. a fine job he's funny yeah it, it does make just, me like him like, better ed sheeran is our greatest living songwriter okay like i'll buy it whatever i guess if we're buying that the beatles don't exist i can buy this too right but then there's a the- scene where they talk about how like this double album that he's releasing is going to redefine pop music forever. And I was like, you're right, it did, which means that Ed Sheeran doesn't exist in this world. Like, like pop right. music wouldn't be what it is if the Beatles hadn't, hadn't yeah, existed. That's and so it was like, oh, the Beatles are gone, but everything else is the same. 
Right. Except <laughs> Oasis. Except Oasis is also gone. Yeah, there's a couple other things. And I like that sort of like running gag that there's like a few other things that are just like a little bit off. Like cigarettes aren't a thing. Oasis isn't a thing. Coca-Cola is not a thing. Coca-Cola is not a thing. Like he's on a private plane and he asks for Coke and the stewardess is like, excuse me. And he's like, Coca-Cola, I mean Pepsi. And it's like a kind of funny joke that she thinks he's asking for cocaine. Um, And then in the end, it's revealed that Harry Potter is not a thing, which like I'd be sad about, but also like less turfs being successful is always a good thing so i'm torn (laughs) right um maybe i was like he can rewrite if he could rewrite harry potter from memory and take credit for that and not be transphobic he can have credit for that like right take it um but anyway like i don't know like ed sheeran is sort of endearing and sort of yeah he seems to you know be able to joke i mean i have no idea who ed sheeran is as a person but he seems to be able to like poke fun at himself and and yeah i liked him more than i expected in this the other thing that you said you said like there are plenty of great singer songwriters which like this movie seems to question this movie seems to have like a nostalgia for like singer songwriters which i feel like is a weird thing like so when he's when Jack is in there are a couple of different moments when as he's like getting famous and he's getting ready to release this album people are like oh you just wrote these by yourselves you didn't have like all these other people writing it with you that's amazing that doesn't happen anymore and a couple of things about that this is my TED talk for this episode first of all singer-songwriters still very much exist like most women in country um Maggie Rogers, Phoebe Bridgers, like there are plenty of sort of singer songwriter types out there. Also, the beat, like John Lennon and Paul McCartney are two of the greatest songwriters to ever have existed, but they also didn't create those songs, like just the two of them in their garage somewhere. Like they, the Beatles were particularly once they like exploded onto the scene, the Beatles were heavily produced. There were people involved in writing and producing their music. And the reason that those songs are as timeless as they are in this movie is even a thing is because there were a million other people working on that music. And that is not in any way to denigrate that music or denigrate the legacy of Paul McCartney and John Lennon. But there have always been people behind the scenes. There's always been producers. There's always been studio bands. There, you know, like Billy Preston is a thing because he like worked on the Beatles music. And so this idea that somehow like Lennon and McCartney and Harrison and Starr like the like produce the music the greatest music of all time on their own is wildly untrue (laughs) and then third of all on that same like there are real like amazingly brilliant music that includes lots of different people working on it and lots of different songwriters and producers namely like the Beatles but also like Lemonade, you know, like Lemonade had lots of different people working on it. Kanye famously like hires lots of songwriters and producers and like moves them all into a mansion for a week and has them like produce music for him. So, and we get like, you know, kind of like genre changing music from those kinds of processes. So I feel like this kind of thesis statement that this movie has that like, there's something like 
amazing about singer songwriters that we've lost, I think is false. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. This has been held up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I didn't think like so. The they end up he gives them all these titles for his album that then get rejected, like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the White Album, which they joke is like not diverse enough. Um, which is like, but he's not white, so he could be a white album. I don't know. Right. And then they decide on one man only, which is which twin twinges his guilt because he didn't and it's on the back it's like written and produced only by this guy which like also isn't true we've seen other producers working on this album right but also it's like twinging his guilt because obviously he didn't write all these songs by himself um but i i think i sort of like i had the same thought and i was like well neither did lennon and mccartney like they had each other they had george harrison they had producers so like I don't know if in my head I was like oh I guess like we're just like commenting on that nobody does anything alone <laughs> but maybe right like everything is a gr- everything great is a group effort no right. one no one does anything alone yeah um, and so maybe that's the message and so I like that better maybe I read too much into it and my hackles went up and they didn't need to so I can I can get behind that as like the message but because I don't like never in music has there been a time where like it's just one person and a guitar and then by the time an album comes out there's not been other hands in it right and that's not that's a bad true thing of any art right uh, of anything that's true of right movies that's true of i mean that goes right back to like why we think why the richard curtis movies we like more except about time were not directed by him because like and you can have too many cooks in a kitchen but like multiple perspectives on something is good it's good to have a second set and a third set of eyes on things um the thing i like like that i took away from years ago i think when love actually came out i read an interview with richard curtis where he talked about like and this was back when like i was a teenager and so thought that i was supposed to like listen to the clash and read infinite jest and do all these like obscure things to get obscure boys to like me and i read this like interview I don't, with Rich. I think it's hilarious that we're referring to the clash as obscure, but no, but I you know what, I mean. what you're trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> like not pop music. Right. I was not supposed to like pop music because it was somehow lesser than or embarrassing. And I read this interview with Richard Curtis talking about the soundtrack of Love Actually, which is almost entirely pop music, um, and why he loves pop music and why because it makes him happy and it brings joy and he thinks like. Mm-hmm in romantic comedies it brings you a level of like it it heightens that joy and so one of the things i think i liked about this movie is a we're regarding like the beatles are one of the if not the most influential band of all time you really couldn't do this movie with a different band because nobody's discography is as well known as the beatles the mo- so the most important band in america in not american in music history is pop music mm-hmm and I don't know, I, there's just sort of like a love letter to pop music in this. And yeah. like, it is good. It's it's defining. You don't actually have Ed Sheeran without the Beatles. You don't have John Legend without the Beatles. You don't have, and obviously there are other influences too, but like just this sort of idea that like pop music isn't something to be, to, that isn't something lesser, isn't something to be ashamed of. I don't know. I like, I, I felt for little teenage me where I was like, yeah, this shit is good. <laughs> and, yeah. And 
just like we talk about romantic comedies, how they're so often seen as like for women and therefore lesser than, and pop music is for women and therefore lesser than. It's like, no, all of those things are good and all of those things are influential and change. And do I think this movie changes? you know does this have any sort of cultural impact where now movies will never be the same no of course not do i think richard curtis's movie making on the whole you could say that about of course he is yes absolutely he and and Nora efren are the most important rom-com directors uh of of our time and i i just think i like that message and that's important yeah Uh, i also need to discuss if we think rock the at the Rocky is hot or if this is my Jason Manzoukas thing happening. He's, um, the character is because he's funny. He's definitely appealing. I thought he was handsome in Game of Thrones. I think he's handsome. I mean, he was like cleaner cut in Game of Thrones. And this one, he's kind of like scraggly and. Yeah, I do think he's handsome in Game of Thrones. I think he's done a disservice. And again, I think part of it is casting. He's done a disservice because he's, replacing um uh, the guy who played her lover whose name i don't know but is in like every prestige drama ever um oh oh, you're still on game of thrones oh that guy from that other time traveling movie (laughs) correct uh with serena vanderwoodson and harrison ford that's a sentence that just should never be spoken Yes, right, that movie. He has, like, a very Nordic name or something. We're not going to look it up. Yes. Um, His name is, like, Hans Vanderhoot or something. Right. Anyway, that guy, like, because he's so dreamy in Game of Thrones, and then Joel Fry gives this very stiff performance. Again, I think intentionally so. Right. Um, I, I was not, like, attracted to him in Game of Thrones. No, but this, I'm like, oh, he's hot. Yeah, no, I think he's hot. There's I don't a, he think has it's a, like a. I don't. He's not. Jason Manzukis is like, and I love Jason Manzukis. This is a Jason Manzukis like fan podcast. We've established that. Not in a lot of rom coms, but somehow we not, made it work. He's not like a conventionally hot guy. I think Joel Fry is like a conventionally attractive human being. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for valuing. You're welcome. <laughs> Yeah. No, he's also like definitely one of the highlights of this movie for he sure. He has a funny line when they're getting on the um he's like there's a lot of good. This is a movie that also has the calm and the rom-com yes, which yes. we have established many times we love. There's a very funny line when they're getting on the private plane and he's meeting Ed Sheeran for the first time and he's a doof. And he says something about how Ed Sheeran shouldn't rap, he should leave it to the brothers. Yeah. And and like it's one of those things where it's like, "Oh, it's nice that Ed Sheeran like is self-aware enough and self-deprecating enough to like have someone make those jokes about him but also it's just like it's a funny line to come from that guy right also this movie significantly more diverse than any like here's what i love about richard curtis he ticks the notes yeah someone was like hey man you made a movie called love actually with a million different stories and that featured no people of color or uh gay people or anything at all like you make very white movies a lot and he was like okay I'm going to make a movie and not only is the lead man not going to be white, but I'm going to have a lot of secondary characters that also aren't white and they're going to, they're going to give something to the movie and they're not going to be props. And I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, could we have gotten there earlier? Yes. But. Right. Yes. I will say that this movie now, granted it was made in 2019. So, you know, 
we could have gotten um, there a lot earlier but could have gotten there sooner but i do appreciate like there is an extent to which this movie has i hate to use this phrase because i think it's stupid but like colorblind casting in that like these people are cast for like their talent and their ability to add to the movie and their race is really kind of insignificant to the character um like like Hamesh Patel was I I mean I don't know but like his Indianness has nothing to do with the character yeah I'm and it's never it wasn't written to, for an Indian man no and it's never really commented on like his we never get like an Indian parent joke or his parents are also like they have British accents like we're not, we're not like they're not like not, you should stop being a musician you should be a doctor which right, I, like that right, would have been the right. very easy road to go down right we're not doing like an like a you know like a caricature of immigrant parent thing um and and so well also because his parents aren't immigrants they're right right, they're british but that's what i'm saying like there's just there's there's an extent to which this movie is like these people just exist in this world and we're not casting them we're also like we're not casting the black guy or the indian guy to then inflict trauma on them and show that mm-hmm. pain and that trauma like they're, they're having just, joy they're having fun right they're just living this life and there's never yeah, like, any question about any of that the joel fry character could have did not have joel fry is black he did not have to be that could have been right you know that character is very similar like i said to the roommate in notting hill which is a blonde man like it could have been that and it didn't joel fry was funny and so he cast him there's also a scene where they get off the plane and he's going to liverpool because as is mentioned later he can't write songs about a place he's never been so he has to write eleanor rigby uh strawberry fields and penny lane so he has to go to liverpool um and they get off the plane at liverpool and it's the same sort of shot of the beatles of like girls chasing them down and i don't know if this is intentional but i thought like how cool that like that original scene of chasing down John Paul George and Ringo is like girls chasing down four white guys and now it's two men of color like that's kind of right and it's kind of that visual you know and again I don't like those characters didn't need to not be white but it's nice that they are and it gives you a nice visual of like oh progress oh right it's it's kind of lovely yeah um and yeah it's sort of like it's important to tell story like Indian people stories and black people stories. And it's important to tell their stories of joy, but it's also important when you get a script that, that is just sort of blank, that the blank doesn't like the default doesn't have to be white. I like right. that in this movie, the default is not white. Right. Yeah. Just because like race do- isn't specified. It doesn't mean it has to be white then. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Listen, overall, I enjoyed this movie. It is like all Richard Curtis movies, particularly like I had probably the most like stressful parenting week of my life. And that is saying something in like parenting in a global pandemic. Um, Because we all got the stomach flu this week, including the babies. Right. Um, It turned dark. There there was some darkness. Yeah. Real dark. So, like, this was a lovely kind of balm for that. Richard Kudos movies always are. There's always just sort of, like, an inherent joy in them. And Yes, I felt and, happier. I yes. felt – I left this feeling happier. I've been listening to the Beatles for a few days. Uh, pop music fills me with joy. Good rom-coms fill me with joy. When I yeah. was sick, I turned on about time because I right. thought, here's something that – I here's a movie with no stinks. It's just about happy people right. being happy. Like, and I loved the ending. I love that like he chooses her. He chooses 
like that last scene when he's to be a music OBG. teacher yeah great you I see their adorable that. little children like just running around and playing and rocky's there too <laughs> I like, oh, and i do i family. also love i i really love the message and because i relate to it like i i love the message of like a small life is not an insignificant life yeah. and like you don't have to be like famous or change the world or like the most whatever fill in the blank in order to have lived a worthy life and i love right. that yeah 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 I, I just i just like and again like i'm trying to think if like i knew we were doing this this week so when i was reaching for when i had it was in the mood for a richard curtis rom-com and reached for about time like i didn't reach for yesterday because i knew i was going to watch it a couple days later and i was not in a physical position where i could take notes because i had to mm-hmm. stay fetal um so i reached for about time i think like the next time i'm sick and i'm making that decision i'll probably still reach for about time i don't know that this is the first Richard Curtis. Maybe maybe the next week we have to do, uh, rank our Richard Curtis. I mean, that's the next list we make. Okay. Um, but it's in there. I yeah. I think I I don't ever reach for love. I reach for love actually once a year. Yeah. You know I. Mine's this probably one Notting I, Hill for four weddings and a funeral, both of which were on my top ten list. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I like Notting Hill more than Four Weddings and a Funeral. I think I don't know. We've done this Old. before and it got messy. I don't know that I can say that. Yeah, I also but, like I I I I didn't even consider about time because I think there's an open question of whether it's a rom com. Yeah, well, the problem like with a rom com, you question like, will the couple get together? And the thing about about time is you don't question anything. You're just like, oh, this is just gonna play out. Well, because the message of about time is also a small life is not an insignificant right. life. So you just get right. to watch his small significant life. Yeah. The thing I love about about time, maybe we don't need to do it because we've just done it in this. Is I I don't think it is heavy handed. I think I think it's heavy handed. No. In the way that like Richard Curtis sometimes is, but it's also just the the way he writes the speech, maybe cut this out and we'll just do its own episode, but the way he writes that speech at the end about living his life is really beautiful. Cut all this out because I think we have to just do the episode on its okay. own. Um, what are we watching next week? We never even talked about Lily James's character. Oh. I mean, we maybe said we, we love her. Yeah, we love her. I just like that the character doesn't like run after him the second he says jump just like that she has agency. I also yeah I think that that character is really well written I think I also think Lily James is a really wonderful actress to watch because she brings a very different energy to this movie than she does to pretty much anything else I've seen her in I feel like we changed her hair color and suddenly like she's bringing she's still I will say enormously- the, the doubting yeah we're like we're gonna give her some bangs and it's the same thing they do to rachel mcadams in about time it's like if we give them bangs they won't be as hot mm, it doesn't work that way <laughs> but it's not even that like she just uh, there there's a groundedness and a um maturity to her in this that i've not seen before from her and again that i'm not saying that as a negative like negative thing i think i think she it does a remarkably good job of knowing of knowing the subtle 
changes and choices to make that really sort of like enhance a performance and like make a character feel real like this character is very subtly different from her character in Mamma Mia but it's an it's also enormously different um and so it's all in like her very subtle choices yeah and I think she's a very there's like a scene where she basically says like you can stay here and you can go home with me and we can live a small life or you can go get on a plane and go be a superstar it's your choice and like it's stressful and she acts it very well because it's like stressful for her and rocky is stealing her chips and she's like and it's so funny um he says like can i have one and then takes them all and she yells not all of them and there's a lot of very like subtle choices but she just like she feels very real and she's a very good actress and i think mama mia is a good example of like a very very broad movie that's grounded by mostly her like meryl streep grounds the first movie and meryl streep's not in the second one she grounds it and i i think i i think lily james doesn't get the credit she deserves i stand her and she should be a superstar i love i do i love her and i think the other thing about that scene where she's saying like these are your choices is in a less in a lesser actor in a lesser well-written script it would feel manipulative or like she was trying to take his dream away from him yeah she's she's not but she's not she's just saying like that's not the life I want and like I am I love you and I'm happy to I would love for you to be in my life but I also like don't begrudge you if you want something different and it's it's just not what I want it's very much like these are your choices I'm not gonna follow you around the world and be your you know whatever right I mean like maybe I'm making two, maybe this was intentional or not, but like that's John Lennon's first wife was his high school girlfriend. Right. And it was, I mean, I don't know what their like young relationship is like, but it's like the, the meeting and then the way they know each other is reminiscent of this life. And she did follow him around the world and she did. And she led a really miserable life and with him, I think she may probably after they got divorced, hopefully led a very nice life. But they didn't have a happy marriage. They weren't happy together and it, it wasn't good. And I, I think it's nice that in this movie, we let the woman be like, that's not the life I'm going to live. Here's the life I'm going to live. If you would like to be a part of it, you can come home with me. If not, I genuinely wish you the best. Right. And it's just, it's just like, it's good in a movie about the man where so often the woman love interest is just serves to follow him around and serve right. him this doesn't right and it and it could have been because we yeah. make her her ma- make because she believes in him so fully which is a good thing like it could have easily been that character and it's not and that yeah he's that like come nice. be my manager and she's like no i have parent teacher conferences on tuesday that's my life that's what i have to do and i like it and i, I like, like it. having parent teacher conferences yeah yeah um yeah lily james <laughs> Yeah, I do really enjoy her. Um, All right, sorry. Anything else? To get that in? No. Anything else? Okay. Uh, what are we watching next week? Or not next week? In two weeks? Next week? What are we doing next week? Introduce next- so that people know. So for our next um, mini sewed series, we're going to start a little book club, and we're going to read a book called "One to Watch" by Kate Stamen London, um, which I think I haven't started it yet. 
Um, but I think it's like a about like a bachelor-esque TV show and a mm-hmm. plus-size woman on a bachelor-esque TV show, which would be a lot of fun. Um, neither of us have read it before, right? So it'll be a little no. different than our Evie Drake starts over where I was just leading Carrie. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're also like sort of as a companion piece, um, just I think for our own knowledge, going to read uh, a book called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat, which is by Aubrey Gordon. Um We'll talk about it a little bit next week, but I think it's just mostly for me as a uh, thin woman who has always been thin, just to sort of learn more about uh, the fat experience as we read a book about uh, a plus size woman. Um, but we'll be like breaking up. So we'll use that to influence our conversation, but we'll be breaking up one to watch into three parts. So we'll talk about the first part next week. And then the week yep. after for our main episode, we are not going to watch a rom-com because we're going to watch Girls Trip. Oh. It's allowed. Once again, kind of bending our rom-com rules. It's allowed because we watch Bridesmaids. So we've opened the door. Yeah, I, that's fair. There's, um, there's, a, there's a rom-com storyline. Much like in Bridesmaids, there's like a man We've there. all seen it. Yeah. You have seen it? Yeah. Um, my prediction is it will hold up. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be great i saw it um doing my favorite thing one of the things i miss most in a pandemic hung over at like 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> like went to the movie theater hung over like 10 <laughs> o'clock in the morning and it was uh i really liked it but i haven't actually seen it since my hungover movie theater experience so i'm excited to watch it again i might choose to not watch it with mom and dad yeah 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 i haven't seen it in a while i this will be fun i'm excited to watch it again i think it'll great. hold up too where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod and on Twitter at hold underscore up underscore podcasts. You can uh, leave us a little rating and review if you feel so inclined. We love it so much. They make us feel good. Make us feel like we just watched seven Richard Curtis movies in a row. So leave yes. us some. Please leave us uh, a review. Leave us a review. A nice one. I don't have time for mean reviews. Though mm-hmm. Those make me feel like i just watched seven quentin tarantino movies in a row also remember that we just said that we had really stressful weeks and we all had the stomach flu like you don't add to that with a bad review that's just rude just keep it to yourself leave us a good review don't put that energy in the world yeah Um, positive all right that's all i have thank you so much bye bye